Welcome to When Did You Know? I'm Andy and on this episode I'm joined by a married couple for the very first time. Today I'm speaking to Dan and Phil Beasley-Harling. Dan is known for appearing in Series 9 of The Great British Bake Off where he received Star Baker and a record three consecutive Hollywood handshakes. And Dan now runs his own food website, hosts online cooking classes and plans to launch a cookbook in the near future. Dan's husband, Phil, is an IT extraordinaire whose work has involved building software for special needs children as well as working in billion dollar trading systems. Together, they're raising their two children, Constance and Barnaby, whilst also sharing mouth-watering photos on Twitter of their latest culinary creations. As a huge Bake Off fan, I was rather excited to be speaking to these two wonderful men. We talked about raising children as same-sex parents, coming out in two different decades, and the impact of appearing on Britain's biggest TV show on their lives. So, over to Dan and Phil. Thank you so much for joining me today and welcome Dan and Phil. Hello, lovely to be here. It's quite different. Normally I just have one guest to ask all these questions to. So I'm going to ask the same questions to begin with and then we'll just take it from there. I'll talk over him constantly. So (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Wow, editing is going to be fun. Okay, well, I'll come to Dan first and then I'll come to you, Phil, because then that might uh, preempt any interrupting. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to begin with, Dan, how do you identify? Um, well, I identify as a gay man. Um, I grew up in the time when, you know, those were the options. It was gay, bisexual or lesbian. We have more options these days, but obviously lesbian was never really an option for me. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so I just identify as a garden variety homosexual. I'm just a gay man. And when did you come out? Um, when did I come out? Uh, I don't, that's sort of not a very easy question to answer really, because um sort of, you know, maybe like one friend in school knew you were gay when you were um, sort of probably 15, 16. I sort of tried to tell my mother once, but had a bit of a false start and we didn't really ever have a discussion about it. I just, you know, I don't think we had to acknowledge anything until I brought my first boyfriend home when I was about 21. I don't know. I just, sort of, um, it wasn't, I never, there seems to be a a sort of, um, an idea now that you you maybe have like one big coming out moment where you finally say put your hand up and say all right I'm gay everyone can know and um, that that never really uh, happened for me in that way and um, you know I think w- one of the things that um, that all uh, gay people probably experience is that you don't come out once and that's it and you never have to mention it again like you come out constantly every day every time you you know, we have, have a new class. Okay, um, travelling. Or go travelling. Like airports, it's a nightmare with the kids. They're like, How where's you your mummy? Like, oh, God, here we go. Um, but, you know, it never, it, it never stops happening. You know, when we move classes and then we meet a new, new pe- uh, parents of someone's kid, they sort of like, oh, and where's mum today? And you're like, oh, right, here we go. You know, we have to explain it all again. So I don't think that ever stops happening. I think that just keeps going forever it's a it's sort of a lifestyle thing rather than a one and done isn't it oh sorry (laughs) yes i've heard it before but yeah absolutely i agree i mean it's like agree with what i just said (laughs) it's it's always a process yeah it's uh whenever you change jobs or 
meet new people. Um, and when I'll come to you, Phil, actually, before I go to the, the, the main question that's the point of the podcast. So how do you identify? Uh, same as Dan, really, gay, gay male, gay man. Um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm 10 years older than Dan. Um, Nine and a half. Shut up. <laughs> but the, uh, it, it, I mean, there's this uh, sort of, I guess, uh, you know, sort of coming out in the 90s, sort of early 80s, late 80s. Um, the very, a very different climate from from now, um, when, you know, very little representation on television, and what what you did see was essentially incredibly offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was hard to identify with those kind of stereotypes. So for me, my sexuality has always sort of been what I made it rather than a label. Um, and it's easier to tell people that you fit into this particular category. But really, um, I've just kind of got through my life and done what I did. And I haven't really had to label myself another, unless other people needed to know. Um, and I guess that's slightly different between, between me and Dan. It's sort of a little bit more easy for Dan to um, uh, I suppose, come out, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm still... Pretty... Fact, I, had, I had kind of different jobs. You know? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm a bit older than... I mean, you're not that much older than me. It was still not the easiest when I was young. Yeah, but 80s versus 90s. I mean, you... Yeah, with the, with the connotations of what it meant to be a homosexual in the late 80s. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'd agree with that. Because everyone just assumed you were sort of dying of AIDS if you said you were gay, didn't they? So like, it, was a, it was a different time. There were a lot of different associations that came with the word back in that, in that time period. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's all very, you know, things are, things are, I guess, easier now. But I suppose it depends on people's circumstances. Um, yeah. Not necessarily easier for everyone, mm-hmm. certainly. And so if I'll stay with you, Phil. When did you know? Uh, I guess sort of around eight, eight to eleven. So I mean, it's, it's one of those those things where you do, you, you know, people's sexuality changes, sort of emerges at different times, um, and you don't necessarily have either the understanding as a child what it means. But I guess it's kind of a progression, um, and I guess for me, for uh, you know, around eleven when I kind of sort of. No, knew that you know some some boys I liked better than others, and uh, it was a very strange sort of thing. But really, no words. Um, you know, as eleven-year-old pre-internet, um, there was really no access to information at all. Um, and the only things you ever saw, and I said before, it was you know the 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 ter- terrible stereotypes on on so, TV, like John Inman, like sort of caricatures and clowns, yeah. like, like clowns. as lovely as they are. But like the but sort of clownish characters. Yeah, and you don't you know. I don't identify as you know, a, you know someone someone like that. So really, the words didn't exist. So that for me sort of was an arc from from sort of eight through to eleven through to when I went to university, um, and of course you know at eighteen everything is all very different. So you know back then, um, I guess it just just sort of depends. And what about you, Dan? When did you know? Oh, I I almost hate the question because I don't know that I I don't know if there was ever a moment where I was suddenly like, oh, I know what I know how I'm different or why I'm different. Um, you know, I 
it sounds cliche, but like I always knew I was different to other boys. Um, but then you can be different in all sorts of different ways. I don't know, you know, what what was the moment when I suddenly realised. I remember very strongly having attraction to other boys at about 11 years old. Like, you know, like about pu- sort of the time of puberty. I realised that I used to, I was very popular with the girls. Um, I used to kiss the girls in the playground when I was a little boy. Um, but um, as, um, as soon as I sort of got to about 11, I realised I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't actually getting anything out of kissing the girls and I'd much rather like to be kissing the boys, thank you very much. Um, so I get like, I guess that would be the time when I sort of, I knew um but yeah i don't know it's it's one of those impossible questions because people people want you to have an answer and you know that you're i think you're so young when you figure it out that you lack the maturity to even understand what it is that you're experiencing so i don't it's 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 sort of it's a question that everyone wants to know the answer to but and i feel duty bound to give an answer to but i just <laughs> i don't i honestly don't know i couldn't i really couldn't tell you sorry <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. We will end it here. Um, <laughs> um, so when did you first see, because you both mentioned, and this has come up in nearly every episode I've recorded so far, but you both talked about kind of, I guess, representations of gay men. So when did you first see yourself or when did you first see someone that you kind of resonated with? I don't know. I think I remember and I I don't even remember what it was called. There was some awful, really badly acted soap opera that was on in the daytime on Channel 4. And I used to um, quit school. I used to bunk off school so I could stay home and watch this thing because it had a gay character in. And they were just sort of like, they were like presented very much as like normal people who were just sort of dealing with um, their attraction and them not wanting, uh, not feeling comfortable, you know, admitting it so and uh so sort of that was the first time i was like i'm that guy you know and i so i used to sort of sort of bunk off school i was probably about i was probably about 15 i think and i was certainly longing for um to to see some sort of meaningful representation of 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 someone that i could be i guess because you know similar to phil um you know you did you did get people on television like when I was a kid Dale Winton was very popular you know and um and he's as lovely a man as he is he's sort of like very camp and sort of he's there for the amusement of straight people in the nicest possible way he's I'm sure he's a lovely man but he's 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 fulfilling a role is he dead no I don't know that he is yeah he is (laughs) okay no I don't he won't hear this Um, but (laughs) but you know But just very, you know, I I saw those people and I thought, that's not who I am. That's not who I'm aspiring to be. Um, So who am I aspiring to be? Um, And I don't know that there was ever, um, I think to be honest, probably um, the first guy I saw who I really admired was Greg Leganis. Who was the uh, the diver? The, the diver who who um, he was played by Mario Lopez in a movie. It was a dreadful movie, but he was really cute in it. Um, uh, and he he hit his head on a diving board. He won gold medals whilst having AIDS. And he was like, it wasn't like um, it, it wasn't uh, you know it was a very 80s story in some ways. Um, but it was uh, you know it was someone who was successful and respected 
and you thought, oh, I could grow up to be someone like that. Um, so, so that that was probably the first the first person. I don't know. I never really. I, to be honest, I never really saw. I think one of the things about about being gay is it's, it's a wonderful accepting community, um, but actually you don't have to fit into these neat boxes if you don't want to. You can actually just live your life and be a gay person. And I think that um, that is, um, you know, maybe something that's, that's better understood today than it was in my day. You know, when, uh, when, I, was, um, when I was young, your, the roles that gay men could play were dying of AIDS, Mm. straight girl's best friend you know it was a very limited uh, cast of characters that you could grow up to be and um i looked outside that but thankfully there are lots more positive role models for for kids today mm. so that's something to be thankful what for. about you phil did you kind of see yourself represented anywhere uh i mean well dan's been talking about sort of been trying to rack my brains i guess <laughs> the uh as dan said most of the sort of 80s films um like Longtime companion or oh God, right. Philadelphia um, are all uh, awful. I mean, like they're 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 powerful and strong, but ultimately, um, if you're gay, you're going to die, um, which isn't you know we're all going to die, but not particularly because one is gay. So they're just there's no there's no joy, there's no happiness after the end of the, of watching those things. Um, so I guess the. I don't really have, there, there wasn't any, I guess is the answer. Um, and it was only, only really later that, uh, you know, through, through just sort of study, I guess the, um, you know, for me, what? I would just say, um, I mean, not really a role model you saw growing up, but Alan Turing. Yeah, I was just, in a big, I was kind of, oh, are you getting yeah, to that? I was oh, sorry, I do apologise. So yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, Alan Turing, um, you know, very, uh, very, again, very sad story. More well known now, but yeah. yeah, and it was you know the you know it was um, it wasn't particularly well known. And as being a you know computer scientist, obviously, obviously I say that, but like there are loads and loads of, uh, of science that, that Alan Turing did that are fundamental to everything that happens now. And I won't go into the details, but without 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 him, you, we wouldn't be talking. Um, not just the technology, but uh, we would probably be speaking German as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's, he, for, for me, intellectually, he is, you know, he is my, my role model, but, you know, obviously the, the government did treat him terribly. And I think that's, that's, that's a lesson. Um, you know, we have to be on our, on our guard. Um, and for me to live, live your life sort of openly and, as uh, I guess as a role model, really. Yeah, I would say. And also for other people, just our kids as well. Yep. Because I would say that when I um, did uh, went to do Bake Off, um, I actually um, I almost got on the year before actually, and then we were having discussion, and we got right up to the point where we were talking about should you know um, uh, with the press team, we were like, should we go on? You know, like, do you have any concerns about going on? And at that point, Philip said to me, no, don't do it. Like, don't do it. It's like we're sticking our head above the parapet. Everyone's going to see us. People are going to comment. People are going to have horrible things to say about us and our family. And I was kind of very swayed by that. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't a smart idea. Maybe it's not a smart idea. 
And uh, then we started to think about um, how important it is, and this is slightly, slightly different to what you're talking about, but, you know, for us having children, um, that, you know, we want our children to grow up in a world where having gay parents isn't seen as something weird and unusual. It's, I mean, it will always be a little unusual, but it's um, because there are more straight people than gay people, but it will not be seen as something sort of very strange that needs mountains of explanation. And we, we sort of decided that maybe I had a responsibility actually to go out there and be visible and um you know it's been really inspiring for me um for um to have a lot of um especially sort of younger gay people you know say oh i'd like to have kids one day and you know and isn't it great that you're doing it and you're making it look easy apparently um uh, <laughs> and, it's not um, easy it's, it's not remotely easy um, um, but you know that, like that's that's been lovely, and and to be sort of representation for a slightly different um, group of people, but to, to sort of to to, to be uh, 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 I hate the word role model, but you know what I mean. To be, to show people that you can live this kind of life, it's possible to live a life that is what you know. Being gay doesn't it does provide barriers to having kids, but it's still possible to do it if that's something that's important to you. Um, and so that was something that was very meaningful for us. And well, I still got loads of abuse online, I should say. I still have people say horrible things to, to us about uh, our choice to have a family and mm. that, you know, children shouldn't have gay parents. And it's horrible to hear, but, but overwhelmingly, although the insults do sting, overwhelmingly the, the feedback has been pretty positive, hasn't it? I think it's been mostly um, people sort of very appreciative, um, and enjoying the fact that we that we are sort of sharing our story and our family with the world. Yeah. 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 And I think that the online the trolls and but also the good side of things. So how has that impacted in this like, for both of you? I guess Dan, you're a little bit more visible, a little bit more known. Um, although I think it was um Philip's rice potatoes that, that grabbed my attention and made me contact you. Uh, <laughs> now <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah, I about that. I've, you really can. I've done many experiments on different types of potatoes and cooking uh, time to get them. Perfect. I have to say, for all my baking skills, <laughs> Philip is Philip is Philip, nobody makes a roast dinner like Philip. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I make a good roast dinner now, but only because he taught me. How did the um, going on Bake Off impact your sense of self? Because I, there's a few times when I've done public things with my job and I've seen videos of me back and I it may just be a real character trait of mine but very very critical and suddenly become really aware of my campness or my um, effeminate behaviors did Bake Off change how you viewed yourself your relationship did you feel you had to perform in a way taking part in the Bake Off it sort of gave me a real lesson in, in editing um and I admit I wasn't particularly happy with the way that they chose to portray me. Not because obviously nobody's faking footage, nothing is happening that they didn't, that didn't happen, but they sort of included every single sassy bitchy comment that I made and, and made out like that was my whole character. Wow. And sort of is. <laughs> How dare you. But um, it's, no, it's not. Um, but yeah, so so I was kind of annoyed because in a way, because I felt like they portrayed me as a bit of a caricature of a gay man. 
Um, so I wasn't particularly thrilled with it. And then um, I got quite a lot of negative um, stuff on, on social media about that, quite a lot of criticism. And it was hard for me to sort of separate um, the, the me that people had seen on television and the, the me that exists in real life. So I did find it quite upsetting, I have to say. Like, it, was, it was quite upsetting. And, um, you know, being on Bake Off, the, the sort of the, the uh, criticism that you get is nothing compared to like Love Island or Big Brother or anything like that. I'm sure that for that it's a lot worse. Um, but yeah, it was, it's not, I mean, it's never pleasant to have anyone sort of criticise you. Um, especially if you have no control over the way you're being presented. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it's, it's funny though. I think um, for all of the, uh, the negativity that there was though, it basically disappeared the second Bake Off was no longer on air, didn't it? So it was, it was, a, it was a short-lived, yeah, it was a short-lived thing. And I think um, it's a lot to do with the fact that um, people like to have an opinion about current events and things that are going on and they like to, to put in their two cents. So while it was actually on air, it was, it was really quite unpleasant. <laughs> I did get um, a few overtly homophobic things and then just some things that were just very suspicious about why these people were hating on me. You know, it, it all seemed awfully convenient that they didn't have a particular reason to hate me. You're like, hmm, wonder where that might be. Um, but as soon as it, it ended, the show ended, like that all went away. And yeah. then we were just left then with the actual nice people who uh, enjoy enjoy me enjoy what I do um so so it's actually so it's been like a very like a real net positive I I always describe it that way I say it's a net positive um because it wasn't the most pleasant experience in some respects um but but I'm still glad I did it like I'm still you know it was still an overall positive experience and um you know it used to be that I just baked in in my kitchen for fun Oh and, God, yeah, and now you yeah. have that tiny flat, yeah, you know, two little, tiny little two-bedroom flat, and the kitchen. Yeah, he doesn't was, like mess, so was, it was an issue. Um, tiny, tiny kitchen, and I come home. There'd be like thousands of biscuits, like everywhere, <laughs> like on the on the TV unit, on the sofa, just like on the table, like thousands of these things, and I'm like, who's going to eat them? <laughs> Not you, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't like biscuits. Um, but, but yeah, now I get to do it for a job, which is lovely. Sorry. So I do like recipe development, I do um, food photography, I teach classes. So it's like, I actually get to do the thing that I love, um, which is nice because before I had kids, I was sort of an, uh, an IT salesman, which is, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's an unskilled job, but it's a sort of, you know, it's a bash your head against a brick wall kind of job. And now I get to um, do something I actually like. So uh, yeah, it's been, you know, it's overall very, very positive. I think I remember seeing from you, I'm not sure how long ago it was, a tweet about your kids kind of thinking you were brothers, like really confused. (laughs) And that aside, you know, you don't need to describe the whole situation, but have you kind of had to, I guess you have had to, in a way, come out to your children because society still paints a very heteronormative picture of what a family looks like. Have you ever had to do that? Have you, how has that conversation been? Yeah, I think there's been some confusion. Um, and it's the thing is until we get into, um, like, um, sort of sperm and eggs, we're not, they're never really going to fully understand the whole picture. And I, I think we're really prudish because like, our daughter's eight, but we still don't want to tell her, do we? Like, well, I mean, we, they know this, they know this. Well, they're going to tell her, they're going to tell her, 
well, we talk about eggs, we don't talk about sperm, do we? So uh, we're sort of, we're, we're, we're like, we're kind of, school are going to tell her about sex this year, and I'm just kind of waiting for school to tell her. Uh, I don't want to be the one to tell her. <laughs> so, she uh, won't believe you anyway. No, probably not. <laughs> she's, she's like, no, this is like, doesn't, doesn't fit my worldview. No. Um, no, she knows. So, uh, when the kids were young, she was like, you know, where's where's my mum? And we just we sort of we did explain because there's it was an egg donor and a, di a different woman who was a surrogate. So it's two women involved. It's you know it's not the easiest thing for adults to understand. So mm. um, well, or they pretend not to understand it anyway. Um, <laughs> but no, they both they both, they both they... know. And we the egg donor was anonymous, um, but the surrogate is uh, a lovely lady called Kentra, who we're still very much in in touch with and friends yeah. with, and we sort of consider part of our a larger family yeah, very much like an auntie really yeah the That's... kids call it the kids call it auntie kentra and yeah. we i mean we don't obviously we can't travel anywhere right now but um we go over to america and we we see her you know we we go on visits um she's come here the kids. She's, we flew out Weeks. here yeah so like she i think um she's still very much um she's still she's still sort of a part of the family and i don't you know i think that will probably continue forever i think you know we don't um Sometimes people think that when you use a surrogate, you sort of wave goodbye to them and then you never see them again and you, you don't have them around your kids in case they feel some bond with them. And we just like, we've never felt threatened by that, have we? Like, I, no, I mean, so, you, you don't enter, enter into these things lightly. No. Uh, there's a lot of conversation beforehand. It took two years before we got to the stage where we were even ready to um, even yeah. think about talking to a doctor. So, you know, it's about that sort of about that. But the kids. They're absolutely fine. I mean, like, fine. they know the stories. We'll get more interesting questions, I guess, as Constance gets older. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it bothers. I mean, certainly not. I mean, I don't know about Barnaby actually, because he doesn't really talk about it so much. But Constance is. Uh, five. Yeah, he is five. <laughs> um, but Constance <laughs> is kind of. Uh, she's. Uh, she's like, I've got two mummies and two daddies, and I'm like, honey, that doesn't make you better than other people. Quiet. <laughs> like, you know, like that's not. Like, Oh, but the other thing you talk about in this podcast is that um, the kids always out you. Yeah. Like, oh God, always. Non-stop. It doesn't doesn't matter. Um, you know, you might be happily just like ordering a cup of coffee or doing yeah. something, <laughs> thinking, just living my life, just getting on with things, and suddenly it goes. You know, constable say something like, you know, oh. My, this is this is my second daddy, and you're like, oh, oh God. thanks, thanks, Constance. It wasn't really a conversation I wanted to have right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted coffee, <laughs> and that goes back to that whole having to come out all yeah, the time course. kind of thing. It's it's true. None of us ever really come out just once. It's yeah. constant new workplaces, and that goes back to that quite well. Um, I can't be as you're my sort of first married couple on the podcast. I can't not ask, how did you two meet? Well, it's a really boring vanilla story. <laughs> So it's um I no 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 um dating apps no meeting in dungeons or anything um, it was just uh, you met one of my friends in a bar and she thought you were nice and she took your business card and uh, she said oh I've got a friend I think you'll really like um mm. you know and so she uh, she gave me your business card and I called you and we, we went on a date uh, was I was it. very funny. Is that, I was, is that how I remember? I was hilarious. Um, you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, no, but we literally we met. Um, so we went on a date, and then um, I went back to your house. I mean, just to sleep on the sofa, obviously. Mm. 
Um, and uh, and I just never left, did I? No. No. <laughs> I literally just like I went back to yours after the first day, and I ne I never left. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically. I like that. That sounds like true love. Just cling on and never let go. That's kind of. <laughs> you end up finding somebody that makes sense to yeah. you, to one. You know, it's it's someone that gets you. You know, that's the thing. And then we, I don't know, we started talking about kids. And yeah. Getting married. And what I think what actually... You didn't believe me when we got married, when we got engaged. No, what did he said to me? <laughs> he was just like, what? Well, in fairness, the signs were there. I'd been in the Bahamas for a month at the time. Um, but uh, he <laughs> looked over me and said, like, oh, would you marry me? And I, was, I thought it was like a hypothetical question. I was like, yeah, sure. Sure, of course I had I a would. checklist. I was like, will you marry me? <laughs> yes, okay, right. Next thing, I'm going to send an invite to everybody. And it's like, what are you doing? Like... Oh, we're getting married. Well, no, you were, we were at the bar later and you were like, oh, we just got engaged. And I was like, did we? What happened? <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was a hypothetical question at the time. But I was like, yeah, of course I'd marry you. Oh, I fooled you. You <laughs> did. You did. But yeah, so, so it's, um, yeah, so we've been married, well, nine and a half years? Nine? Which, oh, but, but then we got married. Yeah, so we had a civil partnership, but then it got backdated when oh, the marriage act came in or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly how the law worked. But yeah, we've been um, we've been together for almost is it almost thirteen years? I think so. And married for nine and a half. So yeah, we've uh, we're a proper old married couple now. Proper mm. old married couple. Yeah. Thank you. So to finish, I'll go back to my kind of um, the same question. Ask everyone, and it's a bit of a cliche. It's it is like it's from RuPaul, but I love it. It's a good question. I um, mean, I'll come to you, Phil, first. So what would you go back and say to your 11-year-old self? Uh, buy Bitcoin? Yeah, buy Bitcoin, no. Um, <laughs> buy, well, buy Microsoft, really, back then. Yeah. But uh, what would I say? Um, I'll give you a gap so you can edit that bit out. <laughs> That's gold, leave it in. <laughs> um, don't care what other people think of you, essentially. Um, you know, it's always the fear, and the fear is worse, is worse than the, the, the reality, really. Um, just do it because I remember having a, a conversation with a, a friend of mine who was talking about sort of mental health and she was um, essentially sort of going you know, the fear is inside her all the time and I said well look once you once you admit it and give it away it's gone so I would just say to my former self you know don't have the fear don't don't be worried about it um, you need to live your life and you you get that one chance and uh, you don't don't come back and tell me that you had regrets. I guess just just live it. Yeah, I think I would um, I would ag agree with that very much. Um, and I think you know, speaking very specifically to my own sort of situation, I was so afraid of my parents' opinion of me. I said I said at the beginning, I sort of had one sort of half-assed attempt to tell my mother and didn't, but sort of then shied away from it, and uh, we never spoke of it again. And I just I wish I'd had the belief or the knowledge that my parents would, would love me anyway and it wouldn't matter because I spent my whole teenage years um, like feeling real distance from my parents and feeling like there, the, the, it was impossible for us to be close to each other. And it was such, it, I, like looking back now, like it was just such wasted time. It was just like, it was such wasted time. And I just, I wish I could have 
and even though my parents never gave me any indication that they wouldn't love me if I told them, uh, for some reason I thought, no, if they know this about me, I'll be unlovable. And um, I think I just, I wish I could have told me that, um, that, you know, you're, that your parents will love you, you're worthy of love, there's nothing about you that means you don't deserve love. And um, I wish I could have known that a little bit earlier in life. huge thank you to Dan and Phil for joining me on When Did You Know. I really hope you enjoyed the episode and please remember to keep sharing this podcast with everyone you know, your friends, family, work colleagues and subscribe on whatever podcast provider you use and please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps um, to get these conversations out there because they are really important. Thank you also to Richard Abrahams for my theme music and don't forget to follow me at WDYKpod on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or email me at WDYKpod at gmail.com with questions, comments or even to volunteer yourself for an interview. I'll see you next week.